Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Oh no, is it everywhere? No, sure. Stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans. Ah, fuck. Get in the kitchen and calm down. Or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect. That cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. Hello, hello, and welcome to the BloodandMud.com podcast again. I am Lee Calvin, editor of BloodandMud.com, and... I'm Josh Gardner, editor of RugbyShitWatch.com. Josh Gardner, who this week sounds like he's underwater due to his terrible winter cold that he's got, but he's soldiering on for all of us. I'm a trooper. Where, um, this week we're going to look back at the European weekend. There's been a slight delay getting the pod out this week due to a number of reasons, but we're still going to do that. We'll have a bit of a Daft Star Wars feature to look at. We'll have the shit good stuff from the weekend, as we always try to do. Uh, another person who's going into the how the hell did he get a cap um, bucket of infamy or whatever you want to call it. Um, we'll have a look at the European pool standings before we've got to start going through again. We'll be looking at the highlights of 2015. This is the last podcast of the year, so we'll look back at what's happening on that and look at what we're looking forward to in 2016. And we'll also have another track from the loop, which isn't from the 1990s this week. God, Hooray! So let's go. Cool. So, Josh, welcome back again. Hello, hello. I'm, uh, I'm just about with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, I thought it might be something... This is an idea I blatantly nicked off the football ramble, by the way. So, I'm just put, so uh, cards out there before somebody tells me. I, I'm going to throw it out there. Star Wars is out this week. It certainly uh, is. Have you seen it? I have indeed. Loved it. Um, it was magnificent, wasn't it? I, I loved it, it a bit too much, to be honest. I nearly never watched it on <laughs> yeah. my own this afternoon. Um, yeah. So... You know, I thought it might be in the Darth Vader style. Who do you think, which person, rugby, from rugby past or present, would you most like to be your dad? <laughs> um, well, I mean, if you're the kind of person like me who's who's a bit lazy and a bit flighty and maybe you need some structure and discipline in your life, uh, it's Paul O'Connell, isn't it? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> see, but I, see, but I think as well, you see, taking the Star Wars thing, it has to be somebody that you kind of hate. Well, that is you, the other you, thing. But, 
but you feel could be redeemed. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, Paul O'Connell is a inspirational leader and a great motivator, but the frequency with which I've seen him pictured on the side of a training pitch with one of those massive hurling sticks would indicate that his <laughs> approach to discipline might be a little bit Victorian. So, yeah. So for me, you see, I was thinking it has to be something that you hate. So you know where this is going with me, don't you? <laughs> I've got a sneaking suspicion I might know, yeah. But, so, obviously that would be Haskell, wouldn't it? It would have to be. Ha- I mean... Haskell. But, you have to think that they could actually be redeemed. You have to sense the good in them. I can't <laughs> sense any good in James Haskell, I'll be honest. Um, so then I thought, well, go on. I mean, if you wanted to win every my dad is harder than your dad argument ever, then uh, Brad Thorne, I guess. Oh, he'd be a brilliant one, wouldn't, wouldn't he? he? Brad Thorne. I mean, oh, he's, yeah. he's a bit—he's a little bit evil, but you, <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. But lots of respect. See, and then I thought as well, well, who do I hate? But I think could actually have a little bit of redemption in them. And the next one off the rank was was John Inverdale. Well, but again, you see, you know, no, there's no hope. He's long. Past. I mean, his hair is sort of like Darth Vader's helmet in a way. In that, I sense that it comes off in one large thing at the end of the evening. And he sleeps in a chamber. Maybe, yeah. Uh, but uh, which would all explain it. But but I came down finally. I think somebody you I kind of hated, dangerous man, mm. kind of evil, mm. massive. Mm. But I do think there's, a, there's something that could be redeemed. And I, I came down to Trevor Brennan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, could go, I could go for that. I'd want Trevor Brennan to be my Star Wars rugby dad. <laughs> I mean, the other option, I suppose, is is maybe Graham Henry. Um, he'd be he'd be great, so long as you didn't ask him where your grandmother was born. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was no grandmother. We're like Anakin in the first films. Anyway, oh before we go too far down the Star Wars road, yes. that's go. So anyway, I've gone for Trevor Brennan. Who did you go for? Paul I think I went for Paul O'Connell or Brad Thorne, yeah. Or Brad, Th- Brad Thorne and Trevor Brennan would be our Star Wars dads. Mm-hmm. Out there, who would you be, who would be your Star Wars rugby dad? At bloodandmud.com, you can you can tweet us there. You can tweet Josh at rugbyshirtwatch.com. Certainly can. Please get in touch with us. God knows it's hard work trying to come up with content ourselves, so please give us some. <laughs> we're we're um, right at the bottom of that barrel now, so, I mean... <laughs> right, so that's a bit of daftness out of the way. Let's, uh, well, so we'll, let's move on to daftness slightly shrouded by a serious look at the rugby. <laughs> uh, the second round of the double headers was last weekend in the European Rugby yep. Champions Championship Heineken Cup of Justice. Um, so let's have a look. We'll go pool by pool. I yeah, think. let's do that. Let's let, let, let's do it that way. Um, so let's start off with pool one, which would make sense. Worryingly uh, logical on the. Sias, well, we could just say the same thing as we said the week before. Saracens versus Oyanau was the first one. Well, it? it was appropriate that Oyanau were wearing white because they had pretty much waved a white flag before they even got on the bus, and they bless them. I mean, they they there was showed... no turning that around, was there? Well, no. I mean, I guess. The evil empire can only mercilessly kick to death what's put in front of them. Or should we be calling them the first order now? Anyway, um, but yes, um, <laughs> mercilessly kick them to death. They absolutely did. It was a proper tuning, wasn't it? Um, it was, and there's something. It's even because the conditions can't even level it now, can they? Because no. of because of these three G pitches, you think. Well, if it pisses down, I might have a chance of just mm. sticking it up my jumper and maybe hoping that they don't get runners in the game. So you can't even do that now, can you? Because these pristine carpet pitches. Whatever the weather, really. Yeah, they're going to tear you apart regardless of the. The only thing thing that could possibly stop them is it being really greasy, maybe, and then they'll just stick it up the jumper and smash you in the face anyway. So. Well, well, they'll just give it to Farrell to kick it. Yeah. He but, was uh, superb we... again, by the way, on the weekend. It's 
he's organised the game with so much authority and composure. It's yeah. I think there's only there's only so much fly half mojo to go around in England. Because basically, when obviously Farrell's mojo goes up, (laughs) Ford's Ford's, mojo disappears down a grid somewhere. And and Eddie would have to be a very brave man not to pick him for the Six Nations, given the contrasting fortunes of the two of them right now. I mean, yeah, yeah. So that was Sarasans versus versus Oyana, indeed. um, Which you know was as predictable as they come, really. Mm. Uh, Toulouse versus Ulster. I know I've been banging the drum for the last couple of weeks that Toulouse aren't actually as shit as they've shown so far, but um, clearly I've been proved utterly wrong in in that. Yeah, because Paddy Jackson did all he could to try and lose that. He really did, and yet (laughs) they've they've been. I mean, Toulouse have been obliterated away from home twice. And now they've been meekly turned over by a pretty average Ulster team at home. I mean, they're just not up for it this year, are they? I I love Paddy Jackson's bewildered toddler face. That's great, isn't it? That he pulls so he pulls so much. He's a um, virgin on international fly half with this bewildered small child's face. <laughs> well, that's the thing. They've got a bewildered small child at fly half, and then they've got Ruan Pinar at nine, who looks like a junior member of Combat Eighteen. It's like, <laughs> yeah, American History X. Extra. It's very Ruan Pinar, so. yeah. But, yeah, um, so that yeah, also were decent. I thought um, they. It's a good win away. Is it? I mean, to yeah. lose, yes, they're shit. But to go to that, but to go to that stadium and win, albeit like, narrowly, is still a hell of a win for them. And isn't that the third one they've won on the bounce in France? Something like that. Yeah, well. but I thought the young, the twelve that um, I haven't heard before, is it McCluskey? Something like that. He looks very yeah. good. Uh, you can see him and Henshaw going well together in the Irish team in a couple of years' time. But uh, yeah. Right, so that was pool one. We'll talk about standings a little bit later, I think, after yeah. we've done a, after, we, after we've done that. Um, let's move on to to pool two, and oh well, let's start off with with the Ospre- Ospreys. How how do you feel about the Ospreys? This was you know, in case you didn't admit it, Bordeaux thirty three, Ospreys twenty seven over in Bordeaux. Yeah, I mean, look, that's it was a fantastic game of rugby. It really was a yeah. cracker. Um, but it was such a frustrating one from an Ospreys point of view. Alan Wynne-Jane said after the game that they'd beaten themselves, and they absolutely had. Bordeaux weren't really that good, but the Ospreys just kept making really stupid mistakes. Like, aside from their first try, which was a shockingly bad bit of defending, but was really well done from Bordeaux. Like, it was an intercept, an aimless hack downfield that Dan Evans, for some reason, decided to throw back over his own try line. Um <laughs> And a counter-attack when they were down to 14 men where the Ospreys just forgot how to man up defensively. It's like, you take those Which, away and the Ospreys win that at a canter. And... The Ospreys forgot how to man up defensively seems to be a common theme that's it does. coming out of these games, doesn't Which it? Which is very strange because they've always been so solid defensively in their history and, and it's been one of the things that's kept them in games. But yeah, this year, particularly away from home, they just they seem to but lose it, a lot if... of it. But if anybody had said you're going to go to France twice and score four tries twice and lose both games, yeah, it's pretty bang. <laughs> and I mean, at the end of the day, if you just said at the start of both games, well, you can have two points at the end of it. That's the other thing, isn't it? Yeah, you know, you know can you be that gutted, really? Yeah, I probably would have taken it. Um, and it's nice to see how well the Ospreys' backs played um, with with Sam Davis at thirteen, providing a bit of intelligence and passing ability. He was a. I don't want to see him there again because mm. he's. A very That's light. not the future. Well, yeah. no, and and he's he's far too lightweight to play thirteen, and he's a bit of a defensive swing door. But like they do, they desperately need a new thirteen, but they can't get one because of the stupidity of the current structure in Welsh rugby. So they kind of have to make do with what they got. But yeah, it was it was a good result, but a slightly frustrating one. 
speaking of uh, only so much mojo to go around <laughs> and, and people taking the turns borrowing the mojo yes. to use it um ASM Claremont Auvergne, 42, next to the Chiefs, 10. <laughs> it was just, people always talk about the psychological effects of these double headers and, oh, how are the team going to cope after losing in such a comprehensive way? Well, clearly a week is a long fucking time in rugby because that was just like a complete and utter turnaround, more than anything, I think, for all the talk of last week being a turning point for Exeter. It kind of shows that while they're a very good team at home, they're a pretty average one on the road. Like they've had two away games now, and they've been pretty bad in both of them. But I think if you take the Exeter thing as a, as a Exeter as a project, which mm. I'm sure they must still see themselves as, and if they don't, I don't know why they don't see themselves as that because they've where they were four years ago compared to where they are now. Well, exactly. I mean, they, they won't want to lose games like that. But I think it's no. in twelve months' time when you look back, would you be happy with how you did in this pool? You know, it's that kind of thing. Exactly. I think it probably will be. So. That was that, but it's just this complete lack of predictability is 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 becoming. Yeah, I mean, it's slightly it's it's worry. It's like you say, it's a process for Lent, for Exeter. Like as Wasps and Leicester and Toulon have shown, if you've got a, if you can't win away from home, you're not going to get out of your group. And like even Exeter can be brilliant at home and get bonus points in every game, but it's still not as good as the Ospreys getting their four bonus bonus points in two away games. If you get no points at home, even if you get you know, three bonus points at home, that's still not the same as, as turning in a mm. bit of a... They've at least got to perform away, even if they can't win. But, uh, yeah, it's good to see John Davis be... back as well, by the way. He was, Very good to see John Davis back, yeah. He's yeah. looked to the manor born once again. Has he signed for... Has he has actually signed for Scarlet's Yeah, he's now, signed for Scarlet's now, but he was hitting some nice lines. He looked raring to go, so... Yeah. Right, so yeah, that was that, was that which is good. Now... 42-10 in Pool 2 plays 33-27 in Pool 2. Uh, so that was quite an entertaining pool. Yeah. Let's move on, Let's move on to, to the yang of that yin, which is Pool 3, uh, which was Northampton Saints 9, Racing 92-9 was the first game. I mean, they, they always... One for the purists, they always say, but I think they must have meant masochistic lunatics in this case because it was just two teams of... Very, very talented players just incompetently smashed seven seasons of shit out of each other with no real coherency. It was at least Rassing have looked good at times this yeah. season, though. Northampton just look. What did? Where are they getting tries from? They're well, not, are they? That's the thing. They've got their midfield looks very average now, which is yeah. kind of weird. And yeah, I mean George North is still. Still, well, he's awful. Yeah, he's. If he wasn't, if he wasn't George North, you didn't know who he was, and you came to watch him this series, you would be going, "He's shit, that fella." Yeah, frankly, you know, you would. Yeah, which is a real shame. I don't want to say that. No, that's 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 where it is. He he obviously he came out this week and said that like his concussion issues are behind him and all this sort of stuff. But I think it's very obvious in the way that he's playing that it's something that's still in his mind, or at the very least, is still having a bit of an effect on him in some way shape or form because yeah he's not at it at all is he even if he's the thing is though even if it wasn't for the concussion I think people forget he's still very young yeah and he, and he hit basically a peak level of form and maintained it very early yeah and maintained it for about three or four years exactly you know, and, so um, there will be an inevitable dip yeah dip. Gonna, there has to be you know he's only 22 <laughs> He's, yeah. he's still got a very long time to be good but yeah when the two highlights of a game are a charge down inside the 22 that ultimately comes to nothing um, 
and Nigel Owens. You can't, you can't even fuck up properly. <laughs> exactly. And Nigel Owens telling somebody to mind their language. Those are the only two highlights that seem to have gained any kind of interest. So, and it was it was a Dan Carter charge down as well. It was course, indeed, it? which, which, you, which I mean, you wouldn't expect. You know, yeah. I think he's got to he's got to give he's got to, he's got to give other people. Everyone's chances, got, everyone gets one, don't they? I mean, yeah. And then, oh, then we come on to the next game, which was five thousand seven hundred people turning up at the Scarlets to watch them lose 9-6 to Glasgow which was a game which was not was kind of like grating your own face <laughs> over a bowl of cold play cold play flavoured pasta people will always tell you that oh it doesn't matter the score you can still watch you know a good game with no tries <laughs> there are very few good 9-6 games and that was not one of them by any stretch of the imagination god it was awful just a yeah, dismal was... rain drenched shit show of rubbishness it was, and the Scarlets as well. You will notice that ever since we've said you want to watch them this year, they've been absolutely <laughs> appalling. It's... So if anybody's out there and wants a massive jinx put on a team you mm. don't like, mm. just tweet us and ask and ask us to talk them up on this pod, <laughs> and I can guarantee you they will turn to a bag of shit. Well, l- less we talked up Racing last week, and look how <laughs> shit they were now. I mean, this, but the Scarlet season and Exeter, we said Exeter by yes, way, we did. That. Yes. Oh, we're good at this, aren't we? But so yeah, the absolute kiss of death. Some of, this, by some of the Scarlets are podcast. still top of the league in the Pro 12, though. And true, but it's. I mean, you kind of got to feel like their Champions Cup experience this year has not done their confidence any good, and they've got a they've got the Ospreys at home on Boxing Day, so that's going to be a an interesting. Are they just given up though? I mean, I, the, the that's kind of anyway, what it looks it, like. You know. I, I kind of think that they'll they'll try a bit more in the Pro 12 because they still have something to play for, but. Last weekend, this it did kind of feel like they just can't be bothered right now. No, so that was the kind of first part of the review of the weekend. Some Indeed. of it very good, some of it not so <sighs> very good. And I need to find my piece of paper with the with a rundown on it. Um, let's have a look at the, uh, the the shit good stuff that's been happening this week, both in the rugby and let's. And, and elsewhere. Mm. Shit, <sighs> players arguing on Twitter. Oh God, I mean. I'm sh- I'm sure most people who are rugby aware on social networks have been following the Ashley Adam Ashley Cooper bod thing on Twitter but god I mean is it not just the most unedifying pile of nonsense you've ever seen it's so juvenile and tedious I can't stand it like I th- I think like bod said something in a column or on TV or some shit about about Ashley, about Ashley Cooper, I've wanted some money. Yeah. yeah, basically being in France for the money, which is the only reason that any player from New Zealand and Australia is in France. Let's not bloody kid ourselves here. Quite. Um, but he took umbrage to that, and then there was Gitto got involved, and there was all this snipey public Twitter bitching, and then <laughs> Ashley Cooper made some ridiculous video where he's making it rain with bloody euros. And, Prit- <laughs> and, and the hilarious, says the press, and fucking depressing says I it's like hilarious says the editor doesn't have to write anything well, today because exactly. basically this just fills up my column inches for the next two days lazy journalist story generator as, as the fiver used to call twitter and probably still does <laughs> but uh, I mean in rugby we like to talk about how our players are like men of intelligence and good character and have respect for their fellow players and officials and all that jazz so where does like passive aggressive social media bitching fit into that picture <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, what I will say is, is that BOD definitely had the better of the argument. I'll I say thought, that much. I thought so, yeah. Because uh, you can't help but read these things. But the no. whole thing just became ridiculous. Didn't Johnny Wilkinson weigh in at some point? Oh, God, Gitto mentioned Gitto, Wilkinson, Gitto mentioned Wilkinson yeah. But it's like they've got like 250 test caps between them or something. It's like... Yeah, leave it alone. Leave, just grow the fuck up. You're both in your 30s. Like, just handle it behind closed doors like adults. Honestly. I got... Oh. Um, I got a response from Brian O'Driscoll on Twitter once. Really? That's my one of my minimum claim to fame. <laughs> it was about him being asked about being dropped in the Lions. Oh, God. And I just said, you know, let's talk. And he basically said, I try not to talk about it, you know. And I said, no, I'm not blaming you. It's obviously the, it's every this is other all they want you yes. to talk about all the time, to be fair. But, yeah, and then he kind of went away. Yeah. So that was my little brush with fame there. <laughs> Brian O'Driscoll basically tried, God. sort of had a go at me on Twitter. Well... Other than the fact that I've been blocked by Haskell, of course. That's of course. not a brush with fame we've all had. I've, been I've not been... Go on. I've been blocked by Lee Byrne, and I don't know why. <laughs> for the really? life of me. I've never said anything about him, and I'm a very big fan and always have been, but for some reason I've been blocked by Lee Byrne. Go I mean, it. he could have had a massive go with his tan and his teeth and everything. Well, exactly. Yeah, I'm not, but, yeah no, weird. There you go. I've not been blocked by Austin Healy. I'm still genuinely Neither surprised have I. And my most that. retweeted tweet of all time was the one where I said if you had to spend an evening locked in a room with Piers Morgan and Lawrence Healy which method of suicide would you choose and yet <laughs> lo I am unblocked but whatever I've interviewed Lawrence DeValio and uh, it's fairly safe to say you know I don't expect he's going to be a friend of mine it's fair to say he's, 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 he's horrible <laughs> well yeah that's kind of what made him so good I suppose, yeah. But yeah. actually, I suppose it was just an interview with a guy he didn't know and he put in feel like being very friendly. Mm. Bayfield was very, very friendly. Martin mm. Bayfield, he was great value. Keith Wood was great value as well, but Delalio, not so much. Anyway, how do we get on to that? Sorry I don't about know. that. Twitter, yes. see? Bloody Twitter, see, it sucks you all in like a vortex. Um, the Eddie Jones is in, obviously. The whole thing rumbles on, but this the shit thing for me is this RFU versus Bristol. Oh, God, it's the, over Borthwick. The way that they've behaved, the England and Borthwick, let's be honest, have behaved in this situation is actually shameful and embarrassing and very unprofessional. The um, RFU don't seem to understand either. I mean, I'm sure there are clever people in the RFU, but they don't seem to understand that when you go around the world saying, look at the fucking size of my wallet... When you go after somebody, they're going to go, yeah, you can have him, it's fine, but we want basically the gross national product of a small African country to well, release him. Exactly. And, more, and But announcing his signing before they'd even got an agreement from Bristol to let him leave, let alone sorted out the compensation package, is just staggeringly arrogant and disrespectful. Like, and, uh, and then they kind of pull this you, you're not supporting the England cause line yeah which is not it's like literally about the worst thing that you could say to Bristol given that a lot of Bristol fans are certainly quite a vocal minority uh, a bit sort of they, they're not big fans of the RFU due to the fact that they feel like yeah, they've been diddled <laughs> well yeah con- continually diddled since they got relegated and you know whether or not it's a bit paranoid but like there's little doubt that the powers that be have sort of inadvertently or not fucked them over several times with the way that they've rejigged the championship and all that sort of stuff but yeah so of course they're not going to be going cap in hand and saying oh thank you very much RFU for taking our brand new coach that we just signed up and and let's not forget that Steve Lansdowne is one of the richest men in Britain and they tend to be used to getting their own way yes 
So, so yeah. yeah, so that was, you know, can't these things be done outside the media and can't yeah. these things be done in a bit more of, a, of an edifying manner? I don't know why I think it's going to be any different than it's been all the times before, but somehow I still think that it might be and I'm well, constantly disappointed. Yeah, and I mean, obviously you've had rumblings from, from Northampton about the way that England handled the, the Alex King thing as well. Like, they're not particularly happy about that approach either. So it's like mm. they're just going around, stumbling around with a massive wallet full of money just annoying people at the moment which seems to be a good way to do things well we'll see how it all has, has Borthwick gone now I think has he, he actually has gone? technically he gone hasn't. but it's going to they, they're going to get sued basically Bristol has said fine go but we're suing the RFU they well they don't give a shit about that do they no exactly um, another thing shit for me is we've already mentioned it kind of briefly but George Ford I actually find it genuinely upsetting how badly he's playing, really. He's cause... just not good, is he? It's like, I mean, he's good, no, but awful. he's just not good yeah. at the moment. And I think he's, he's one of those classic players that when it's not got, It's a bit like Chris Ashton, right? When it's not going well, mm. people notice a lot more what he cannot yeah. do. Yeah. Otherwise, they notice... Always, most of the time, you look at, what he, look at what he does. He takes the ball to the line, ball in two hands, passes late, sees the whole game, makes late decisions, brings people into the game brilliantly. When he's not doing that, all you see is the fact is that Nathan Hughes runs over the top of him like a speed bump. Oh, God, he did as well, though, dear me. But he had the, that... he did, but to be fair to Ford, he jumped up and he ran back Absolutely. and he got himself under the yeah. ball, didn't he? And, and all small lads are going to get fucker, yeah. smashed by big lads running at them at full tilt. The difference is if you can get up and get back in the line. And I think his defence is all right. Yeah, I it's think fine. People just look at people and go, look, they're small, they can't defend. That's yeah. not necessarily true. I mean, they're no. not going to be boomers, but he, he actually, I think he, he runs his channel okay. Yeah, he never thought. gets completely dominated, does he? I mean, no. he could do better, but... Uh. It reminds me of like Rob Burrow, who plays for Leeds, Leeds in rugby, well, he's about to retire, I think, in rugby league. He's, he's, you know, he's five foot five, is he, or something? He defends perfectly fine. He's a little strong git, you know. Yeah. I guess the, the thing with Ford is that they've obviously tried to hide him in various places by putting him at fullback in the line, and so that that sort of always rings like sends off alarm bells with people that oh why are we trying to hide him in the defensive line as opposed to just thinking well of course it's sensible to hide your weakest defender somewhere hmm. where he's not going to get into trouble, but yeah whatever. But I mean you know if Farrell keeps playing the way he's playing and Ford like this it's a no you know it's a very easy choice for Jones I think. It is, but it's a very retrograde step because I think. As good as Farrell's played, I don't. I don't think he's got anything more to offer England than what he's offered England in the past, and that's been found somewhat wanting. Like, I think if he's going to play, he should play twelve. Yeah, arguably. if he's going to play at all. Yeah, I, honestly, then, I do. I mean, you look at the options that England have got in the centre now, and you think, well, that's not a long-term solution, isn't it? Is it because presumably Slade will end up there, won't he? Yeah, exactly. So. Well, well, that's for the pre pre Six Nations podcast or post EPS <laughs> podcast. So yes. we'll, we'll leave it. The other thing is yeah. Johnny Sexton's playing shite oh, and all. God, looks... His glorious homecoming's been about as glorious as um, a drunk falling yeah. over. Basically, yeah. he's, he's he's come home and pissed all over the toilet seat, hasn't he? It's... <laughs> <laughs> he's just looks that, that so was hot. a better metaphor, yeah. <laughs> but like, like the first game he came back for Leinster, I think it was a way to to either zebra or. Or Treviso, and he was—he got yellow carded in about four minutes, and it was yeah. that sort of Simpsons meme where he comes in through the door, walks around in a circle, gets his hat, <laughs> and walks out. It was that, and yeah, there's just no—he did he all right in the first happen. half. He did. Well, we're going to talk yeah. about the game later. But he just—he just fell apart. It was just—he just worrying not, a second. I don't know whether the World Cup or whether he's not entirely fit after the World Cup because obviously he had that injury that he tried to play through, but. 
he doesn't look he looks massively out of sorts massively so he didn't play he didn't play through as big an injury as Jonathan Joseph though he's come out and basically said he well, played with his entire his entire leg tied on with a, a needle and thread or something uh, was, his, 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 his boob was hanging off basically wasn't it I mean it was, yeah his peck was hanging yeah. on by a thread which he basically, I mean, it was, God's was sake it his... what was he doing playing like that like you must well, have known well assume it's true yeah he must have known when when your pectoral muscle is hanging by a thread, I imagine that something is probably, you know, things aren't quite working as they should do there. So, yeah, how can we not diagnose that anyway? Yeah, so that was that. But he's uh, sec- but no, Sexton, yes, not playing very well. So that that was the kind of shit stuff from the weekend. Um, let's look at some of the good stuff from the weekend and and what's been going on. My favourite uh, thing from the weekend. Yeah, fat lads scoring tries. Bloody love it. And we had two we absolute had, crackers yeah. this weekend. We had fat lads doing handoff, uh, doing offloads last week. Fat yes. lads doing offloads. And we got fat so lads got... getting the bloody glory this week as they should do. So who was your so, favourite? Uh, well, we had Jamie George who took a pass in the thirteen channel. What was he doing there? Don't mind. Brilliant. Um, for Saracens on the ten meter line and having the gas to burn through the gap and go in under the post to score, which was a fantastic moment. But um, the best one though by a mile was. Um, the stad game where uh, Zurab Zavania is that it? I can barely yeah. pronounce that thing. The replacement hooker for Stad. He gets the ball out wide outside the twenty-two with two men outside him. Doesn't pass. Doesn't even think about it. Fends turn on some genuinely impressive gas. Fends off another man. Starts falling over about ten yards out. Is on the ground by five yards out, and yet somehow his momentum just carries him over the line like a graceful oil tanker. It was wonderful. <laughs> like the thing. The thing with the Saracens is with James Jamie George's, it looked great. But I think, I mean, imagine being McCall at half time. He must just come in at half time and go, "This lot of shit, <laughs> do whatever yeah. you want." Yeah. <laughs> so that's you why you could play, stand in the play wherever general. you like. But that's the <laughs> yeah. thing about George is that this isn't like Shot Brits or Tom Youngs or any of these other centres who've been converted into hooker. These are proper front rowers yeah. who have more than two yeah, percent body he's, fat. He's a proper big lad, isn't he? Exactly. Yeah. People who make modern rugby shirts look bad. Because they're too goddamn tight. That's what we like to see. Speak those. I, I I'm talking about people I've interviewed this week. I interviewed Phil Vickery, and he he's talking about those shirts. Oh really? And he said that he he was saying to refs once. He was saying, "You try and grab hold of my shirt." Yeah. Well, he they... said, "But he said what? He said I was having such a bad game once. I said to the ref, you try and grab my shirt now.' He said and he was saying that these these pro fit shirts just did. He, he said, "I don't see the benefit of them for front rowers at all." Well, they've tried, that's why in the last couple of years they've tried a couple of different things. Like um, most teams now, I think, will have a different cut on the shirt front rowers than for the rest of the team that have a bit more give around the sides so that there's something to grab onto. And they tried a couple of different things in the Curry Cup and in the MPC, I think. They were just experiments. There was like a grippy type material on the side of the shirt right. to make it easier to grip and somebody even tried a little handle which was a terrible idea because you can just <laughs> well, grab well, that you know, handle they could put it on the legs though why can't they do it on the shirt well, they put yeah. it on the legs to line out effectively don't they they create handles with yeah but they were bandage. actual little like sort of leather actual, straps yeah. sticking out the side of the shirt granted I give you they are not actual handles <laughs> exactly, I will give, I'll give you that exactly. but, um, but speaking of shirts oh and God, speaking of shirts, <laughs> if you haven't seen it yet out there, folks, the Sunwolves shirt that's yes. just been released. Canterbury, the, is it? Yes, it is. It's the, the new Japanese Super Rugby franchise. They released their Canterbury shirts this week, and it is a thing of wondrous beauty. It really is. 
What's it, brilliant? Because there's no sponsors on it yet as well. No. It's just so a you shirt just get, with a Canterbury badge on it. And a massive wolf face. <laughs> a massive, <laughs> mental-looking wolf That's the thing. Like, at like, like, what's that, that meme, um, Insanity Wolf? Like, if you look at the, the Insanity Wolf meme wolf, it's that bloody wolf. I'm sure of it. And he's, what? like, sort of looking at you like he's, he's offering you outside or something, which is... Oh, I just love it. It's so See, brilliantly See, I can't Japanese. believe people haven't come up with this before because how has this idea not been thought before? Because what isn't made better by putting a massive insane wolf's face on it? I don't think there are many things that aren't. Because be rugby honest. shirt it obviously works on. A yes. car bonnet, it'll yeah, probably work on obviously. that. Obviously. You know, um, a suit for work. Yeah, tie. Pajamas. Yes. Condoms, probably. Probably. Uh, <laughs> a tie it would work ro- on. Rockets, you know. Birthday cakes. Yes. Um... Mobile phone covers? Yes, oh, well, obviously. Um, I mean, I, I can't think of a single thing that isn't made at least, and I don't think I'm exaggerating here, at least 2,500% better yeah. by putting a giant insane wolf's face on it. I think it's it's it's, it's a dereliction <laughs> of all of our duties that it hasn't been done more. So if you haven't widely. seen it, have a look on, you can see on, on yeah. at Rugby Shirtwatch, Josh's yes, site you, you on could Twitter. Look at that, yeah. You'll obviously um, find it there. Now there's a red one and there's a there's a beige one, cream one. It's sort of a grey beigey thing, yeah. I don't which know. is the home one? Uh, the uh, the orangey red one is the home one. Which the, one of my favourite parts about the whole Sun Wolves thing is the unintentional comedy I'm driving from having to auto translate Japanese press releases using Google. <laughs> it's uh, you you can't make hide nor hair of the damn thing. It makes no sense whatsoever. I just copy and paste that just for just for this for the last. Well, that, the, said, this what, is what I've had from them. The press paste. release on the shirt was literally. The description was our inspiration for the Sun Wolf shirt was a wolf and the sun. Well, brilliant. <laughs> Thanks for that. I mean, that's that's deep, man. So yeah, yeah. The wolf that's obviously looked at the sun too long yeah. and gone insane. Gone absolutely mental. I love I mean, it. If we start Sun Wolf, is a bloody brilliant name. It really it? is. It's like what's even better than a wolf? Well, it's wolves that generally come out <laughs> at night. But what if they came out in the day? <laughs> Yeah, they would be sun wolves. <laughs> oh, it's glorious! It so yeah, I, I can't. I could talk about this for the next hour, but I'm not yes. going to because it is wonderful. Yes. Um. So that were that was the good. Well, that was good. Anything else? we've already mentioned, Jonathan Davis returning. That was yep. a good thing for that me. Was a good thing. And the fact that he returned, looking good. Mm. And I'll say it again. I, I am the one, the one man lobbying uh, <laughs> person for Chris Ashton. There's only me lobbying for him to be in England because he looks. He looks brilliant this season. Defence, defence, me fence. I'm not interested. He looks absolutely brilliant. Like, I, I, I agree with you to an ex- to a point. Like, he's scoring tries for fun, and he's, I know made, he's an arsehole. He's, he's, but but that, and he's making the most of his opportunities, and it's clear that he's like because he's scoring tries even when he's not supposed to. When like the move has clearly broken down, and he's just like, well, fuck it, I'm going to score anyway. That was certainly what he was doing on Saturday, and he just seems determined to show what a cracking player he is. And he's a proper winger as well, not a full-back or a centre he looks playing good. out of position. However, he is a fucking yeah. arsehole, and <laughs> that would be my because, like, he even if if you get him back into the squad, you have to balance out the swagger and assurance that makes him a good player and You're- a confident player with. He's so, he's You're arrogant. just terrified of when he goes over for the ash splash for the third time at Twickenham. Well, there is in that. February March. I mean, yes, that's what there you're is that. terrified of. Well, I, I honestly think that he has uh, an arrogance about him when he's really fit and firing that puts people's like, and not just opponents. I think it puts his teammates backs up a little bit as well because he makes it all about him. And it does, yeah. 
Yeah, I, 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 but I think I still think he'd be mad to leave him out because he looks quite... like he, he looks like Eddie Jones's kind of player to me. He does, yeah. You I know, think... he's an, an Ashley Cooper type of player. Not, I'm not saying he's as multifaceted as Ashley Cooper, but in terms of the angles and yeah. the timing and all that kind of stuff, and what he, you know, he brings something different. But we talked about that before. Yeah. So that was the good stuff for this week yeah. uh, that we've said. Um, so that that's nice. We look at some positive <laughs> stuff and. Moving on then, let's have another look at how the hell did he get a cap? Mm. Our, our sort of periodic celebration of people who we don't think are very good. Now this mm. this week, I think it might be. I don't know. It could be a bit controversial. I don't know. I'll see what your opinion is on it, Josh. But this is this is this is more of a how the hell did he get thirty seven caps? I think that's the thing for me. Oh no! Is it everywhere? No, sure. Stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans. <laughs> Need to get in the kitchen and calm down. Or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. As more sectors across Ireland are reopening, the COVID-19 pandemic unemployment payment is changing. If you're currently receiving this payment, the amount you receive will change from the 16th of November. To find out more about how these changes will affect you, visit gov.ie forward slash PUP changes. A Government of Ireland initiative brought to you by the Department of Social Protection. Wendell Bloody Sailor is... Who Wendell Sailor is, is our person for this week. How the hell did he get 37 caps? Yeah, and that's the thing for me. It's not so much that he got one. Fair enough. Like, he came across from league and he was very good there. Like, I don't blame Australia for trying, but how he got 30-odd, Jesus. Like... I, the only thing, the thing that I remember most about him as a player was just how perfectly dome-like his head was. Like, yes, I've never seen anything like it. It looked like it being like cast in a ball bearing factory or something. It was almost hypnotic. But I don't really remember much about anything else that he did. I mean, there's a few things. I mean, look at the numbers, right? He he, he had 37 caps. He started 28 games and he scored 13 tries. So that's roughly what one try every three games. That's not bad, yeah. Which is not bad. But then, if you look at his game by game list, he only scored outside Australia twice. That's really quite remarkable. <laughs> he scored at Twickenham versus England in 2002 when they lost, and he scored mm. against South Africa in Cape Town when they lost in 2003. All the other times he scored, to be honest, he scored against shit and he scored in Australia. He scored two tries against Wales in 2003. When Doesn't Wales, count. let's be honest, Doesn't when count. Wales, let's, in 2003, were the beginning of the Hansen era, they were terrible. Yeah. He scored, he scored two, he scored, let me look here, he scored two tries against Samoa in Sydney. He scored a try against Italy in Melbourne. He scored a try against France in Brisbane. He scored tries against Scotland on a Scotland summer tour of Australia. Well, again, doesn't really count. I do Which remember... is a bit like knocking children over in the ballpark, <laughs> basically. I do remember he scored an absolute beauty of a try um, against the All Blacks, of all people. Was it in 2003? It would be about then. It was Bledsloe Cup, I think. And um, yeah. he took the ball on yeah, it halfway. Was, yeah, He took the ball halfway yeah. line, stepped past two men, and then steamrolled Muliaina on his way to the try line. And it was... Fantastic. He was, I mean, he was a big lad. He was yeah. pushing seven. He was, he was actually, he was Burgess dimensions. He was 17 mm. stone, six foot four, I think. Six foot yeah. four, you know, big, big lad. Um, but fairly limited. You know, I mean, his nickname for a start was Big Dell, <laughs> which is not good. He is, sounds like he should be a market trader in Peckham. He does. He wears, he wears scoop neck t-shirts far yeah, too often. Yeah. But then again, he is a kind of muscly guy. I, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't question his fashion choices. So I, I think his, his scoring record was quite poor. 
when you look at it. Yeah, when you, you look know, at on it the number, when you look at it. Yeah. I'm pretty, and it, but he played through in every game in that World Cup in 2003, including the final. <coughs> yeah, that final had Sailor, Matt Rogers, and Takiri in that backline. Right, that's, it was a, it was, a complete rugby league backline. It was pretty much. Yeah. He couldn't really kick. No. And let's just get the fact you know he was a, he was an arsehole yeah. of like the Premier League level, yeah. Olympic level. Well, that's arsehole, the thing. Really. The real kicker is that it's not just amazing that he only got thirty odd caps, but that he probably would have gotten a fair few more if he hadn't been so partial to the old Colombian marching powder. And then there's the drugs. I was going to come yeah. on to that. The evil drugs. Yeah. But funny <laughs> enough, he had the drugs, and the rugby league just took him back. Yeah. Because <laughs> they love they love a bit they, of drugs in rugby league. So that's violent. just yeah. you know that 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 could be smoothed that's over. That's just that. a Friday, isn't it? In the, yeah. in the NRL. But you know what makes me hate him more than any? I don't hate him actually. But what what makes me not like him more than anything is that every time I think of him, I can't help but think of this. Mr. Wendell by Arrested Development, <laughs> the disgusting nineties sort of travelling gypsy hip hop group. Listen to it. It's sort of like if like Will Smith had had a brain injury, isn't it? Listen to it. Oh, I can't take it anymore. No, let's make it. Well, that's another reason why we don't like him because basically it <laughs> makes me think of Mr. Wendell by Arrested Development, which is totally fair. So, so that was our how the hell did he get thirty-seven caps? Good lord, is Wendell Sailor? Yes, he scored a decent try against the All Blacks, but who's ever done that in their career? Let's be honest. Well, exactly. Um, so, so, so that was that. Anything else to add on Wendell Sailor, Josh? Uh, no, nothing at all. He's done. He's dead to me. Um, let's have a look at the. Oh, so there we go then. Let's have a look at the uh, rest of the games from last weekend. Yes. Shall we? Then we'll have a look at the pool standing. So, where are we up to? We were up to pool three um, and the horrorful, the, the horrific boredom fest that was pool three. So, let's have a look at pool four, mm. which was Stade Francais hammered Benetton Treviso again. Oh, of course they did. And the, the never ending, inexplicable pointlessness of Benetton Treviso. And Italian rugby, really. Well, uh, rumbles just, on. They're not good enough to be in the tournament like their defence was embarrassing even more embarrassing than last week there was one try where like the first try I think they just didn't leave anybody around the fringes when the ball was on their own line so the man just jumped over the top of the ruck and scored always embarrassing and then there was another one where one of the, the covering tackler just fell over six feet away from the ball carrier with nobody anywhere near him and it wasn't even a slip; he just kind of just fell. There was a big, there was a big piece in e- taken him. <laughs> there was a big piece in ES- on ESPN this week. I think it was ESPN, or was it Telegraph? Anyway, I can't remember. There's a big piece basically saying as the Italian experiment failed, and I think this question is going to keep coming up because as they keep getting pasted in the Six Nations and they keep being pointless in tournaments like this and picking up the odd Pro Twelve win here and there. Um, it's going to keep coming up, isn't it? And especially with teams like Georgia getting much better. Exactly, that's the thing. You look at Georgia and Romania, and you think, do they not deserve a place at the Six Nations more than than Italy do on the evidence of the last four or five years? I mean, yeah, they get the odds fluky away, like winning the Six Nations. They beat Scotland last year, didn't they? You know, but they celebrate that like they've won the World Cup because the golfing class between them and everybody else is so big. And you see, that's fair enough if it happened at the World Cup. Exactly. But you know, it's not, is it? No, it's, it's a it's a yearly nations. tournament yeah. where they're just a, a make weight most of the time. Mm. I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with having a situation where um, you know the bottom team in the Six Nations has to play off to stay in. I think that's a very good idea. Like because so, actually, if you, 
Go on, sorry. <coughs> Certainly, like, maybe if they didn't do it every year, but if they reviewed it every three seasons or whatever, and if somebody has been consistently winning the six na- the second tier Six Nations and somebody has been consistently bad, then you make them fight it out and see who is on yeah, the because, top. Yeah, because what you're probably looking at, really, is if you go over the past few years, it's going to be Italy, Scotland... And did France finish bottom one year? They finished bottom this year, didn't they? So this year they finished yeah. bottom. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. But no. the point lies is that those three teams, if you say, right, you've finished bottom, you've got to play Georgia to stay in. Yeah. That's not an unfair thing for me. God, no. It's... For next year. You know, because actually you should expect to beat Georgia. And Georgia will say, well, at least they're getting some top-tier opposition and a chance to get in. Yeah. The problem is, it's not about making the Six Nations competitive is it it's about no, it's, telly, it's about telly money and, and spectators and viewers and more people will tune in to watch Italy versus Scotland than they would to watch Georgia versus Scotland sadly. would they? well I would think they so in, in Italy yeah and in, in Scotland that's true you know and it's population size and, and TV viewers and all that and I think that's the, the unfortunate reality of the situation as much as, as I think that it's probably not the best thing for the competitiveness of the tournament. So, and then George would probably be too busy crying about the awfulness of their existence to uh, <laughs> well, exactly, to watch yeah. the television. You know, because I know obviously know lots about Georgia. Obviously, me too. I, if you wish to tweet me from Georgia telling me what a complete arsehole I am, then you can find me at Blood and Mud, um, <laughs> or, or from anywhere to tell me what an arsehole I am. That's fine. Um, so that was uh, what were we on pool for right? yeah was, Stad Teresa uh, Stad and the next one was, was Leicester versus Munster one of the few things we did predict a, a, quite a relatively comfortable win yes I mean it uh, wasn't a very good Leicester. game but again it was exactly the same as last week really it was Leicester were clinical and streetwise a dominant and, and they got a bit lucky so not many people are talking about Leicester this season no. apart from in terms like this you know that while well, they've done a decent job and they expected to win that game but they're building to something they quite definitely are I think. I think they're looking they're looking like a team that I don't think they're not going to win it but I think they could quite conceivably surprise someone in the quarterfinals easily another thing about Munster as well I hate Munster and their holier than thou attitude to their fan you know they kind of yep. we're the best fans in the world or we're the third, you know, the, sorry the 16th man and we're dead quiet for people I want it to be noted that they booed their own fly half. <laughs> yeah, they did. After you know, so for all that we don't boo the kicker and we give respect to them. You booed your own fly half. You've lost any chance to take the moral high ground for everything, monster yeah. fans. I'm afraid. You know, I've got not. I don't mind people booing their own fly half. I can live with that. No, you know? but it's what it's... they love it in Wales. I didn't Bruce Priestland for three years. <laughs> well, yeah, but exactly. It's... But that's the thing. They can't. You can't. Have you can't do that one game. week. And then have a pop at other people the next week. I, I read a, a good thing after the game last week, I think, which was basically saying it was on a Munster uh, fan site, I believe, and it was just saying, look, you know, this is what actual being a rugby fan is about: is that sometimes it's shit, and your team isn't good anymore, and that's when it sorts the men from the boys as far as the actual mm. fans go. Yeah, and and you know, a lot of Munster fans who are sort of regulars at Tillman Park probably don't remember what it was like when Munster weren't good because for basically the past 15 years they have been and I think it's 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 going to be a bit of a rude awakening in the next year or two for and, and yeah. has been over the last couple of years for Munster fans to get come to terms with the fact that they're not one of the best teams in Europe anymore by, by some stretch so Munster fans 
people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones, especially when basically last week you did the equivalent of basically pressing your cock and balls up against the window. (laughs) Or something like that, that. I think. Um, Right, so onwards. Indeed. That's pool four. Pool five. Um, sorry to click my pen like that if that came through right, um, pool 5 which was again the very interesting pool let's take Leinster first Leinster yeah. lost much more you actually did say last week that you thought this would be a game much closer than yeah. than it was the week before and I thought Toulon were going to basically tune them actually but they didn't I'm just, mass- right. I'm just massively unconvinced by Toulon this year like they, again it was better than the game last week but and Toulon won because they were a better team, but again, they weren't very good. Like yet more they... exam- yet more evidence to the Quaid Cooper is a pointless and expensive destabilizing <laughs> presence well, everywhere exactly. he goes. Um, but yeah, well, like we said about Sexton earlier, like I thought that he was gonna, particularly like they were they were well in it going into the second oh. half, and then like Sexton just like he's a really good tactical fly half, and he's usually he just, very yeah. good at getting them playing the game in the right areas. But they spent the bulk of the second half just sort of rooted in their own half and waited for Toulon to pick them off, and it was very looks, naive. He looks kind of clueless. He looked when it came down to it, he looked a bit clueless. And yeah. the week before, I commented that Conor Murray looked completely lost as well. Mm. And when you think that come the Six Nations, that's who you're likely going to see lining up. <laughs> well, you know, great. you've basically got two people out of form, looking a bit clueless, trying yes. to run a team that's lost mo- lost serious leadership. It's great. It's great news for everybody. Looking else, forward to it, Island fans. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, credit to Toulon. Like, they still have a chance to claw this their way out of this pool, even though they've been incredibly average Toilet. and poor. Yeah. And and you know, you wouldn't bet against them either. Annoyingly, we've already mentioned George Ford. We move on to the next game: Bath oh. ten, Wasps thirty six. Oh, I told I told you last week that this pool was fucking stupid, didn't I? And <laughs> it, I mean, yes. Like, hats off to the Bath defence for making Jimmy Gopper look like. A combination of Manitoulagi and Dan Carter, yeah. but I mean, like that, that try he scored where he carried three Bath defenders over the line—that's unforgivable. In yeah, my it's absolutely. He's standard. five foot ten and thirteen stone. Like, and not very. He shouldn't good. be carrying three Munchkins across the line, let alone three rugby players. Oh God! Um, it was, and I mean, the, I mean, um, Mike Ford must be screaming, Mike. Mine, I've said this on Twitter, but my mate worked with Mike Ford a few years ago, hmm. and it was and he remains very uncomplimentary about his abilities. Now, so you know, I'm only off. You know, it's a it's a view of one person, hmm. but is it that he's been found out a bit basically that he had he had this kind of exciting game last year, but now he's been figured out a bit, and he and he has to actually figure it out. Yeah. He's, he's he's finding himself coming up short. I mean, there was or as I've argument. said before, it's basically Burgess is gone and they're fucked. Well, it's it's one of the two, isn't it? Definitely, one of the two. <laughs> it's definitely one of the two. <laughs> but I, I think they're lacking real. They're lacking leadership and power up front. Um, mm. I think they miss, because they're not. They're they not short Paul James, power up front. But they miss Paul James. I think more. Now, there's than something I think. you never thought you'd exactly. say. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't think they. They probably didn't think they would. But he has been a real rock for them in the scrum in the last couple of years, and he's given them a proper set piece and. They obviously yeah. felt like they could do without him, but they've not really just... They haven't had that solidity this year. Well, the scrum's appalling. Yeah. The scrum is absolutely appalling. And if it is Paul James, then, then mm. well, you never know. But uh, all credit to Wasps. All they can do yeah, is well, keep playing decent. And if people lie down in front of them, all the better for them, yeah. really. I mean, every, I mean, Gopeth was excellent. Simpson was excellent. Hughes was excellent. And, and 
Daly just seems to be finding the never-endingly excellent Daly. Yeah, he just seems to be finding new ways to be excellent every week. Like that cheeky, cheeky drop goal. Like yeah. that's 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 almost taking the piss, isn't it? It's like oh, yeah, it's what it's what people call an old all park game. Yeah, he, he's you know people who make me want to kill them, but that's what they, that's what yeah. they call it. Yeah. Um, you see, what will happen with Daly is and I'm I'm throwing this out there now. What will happen with Daly? He will be brilliant right up until he gets put in a white shirt in February. <laughs> yeah, they'll have to stitch a little wasps logo onto the front of it. Just confusing for me. But you know, right? So that was the final review of the games. Let's have a look very quickly at how the, how the pools line up as we go into the break. Yes. Pool one, Saracens have basically trampled over Alsace Lorraine <laughs> halfway to Paris, and nobody's going to stop them. Yeah, I mean, um, when you've got when you're ten points ahead with two games left, and one of them is at home to your nearest rival that you absolutely monstered away a few weeks back. Um, well, I mean, Saracens might not mathematically be qualified yet, but. Yeah. It's a matter of time. They're the full team in Europe. They might well win the whole damn thing. So Saracens and Ulster are going through in that one, I think. <laughs> uh, they one. might sneak best. Ulster might sneak best runner-up if they can get something out of Saris, but I don't know, see, because there's, yeah, there's quite, quite a, a few other claims on some decent points. Yeah. Isn't that? That's a problem, yeah. Uh, pool 2, Osprey. That's, that's an interesting This is one, the most one. confusing pool, I think, because of all the cancellations and such, and because it's so tight. It's It's kind mm. of... It's very hard to get a picture of what the actual reality of this pool is obviously Osprey's the top at the moment but it's a bit of an illusion because Bordeaux and Claremont have a game in hand against yeah. each other so if Claremont win that they'll be on top but I mean any of the four teams could qualify with the right result in the last two games and getting yeah. the best runner up spot isn't out of the picture for like Claremont, Osprey's or Exeter at least anyway if they don't run it out right um, you'll have to assume Claremont will win it though because they've got the best squad and they've got a game in hand but it's it's wide open, and that that rearranged game at Bordeaux will go a long way to deciding it. I think if Bordeaux can somehow sneak a win, then yeah, all better off. Judging by last weekend, I think a team from Pool Two should be allowed to go through, and nobody from Pool Three. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. <laughs> you know, because we actually want to see a game rugby we want to watch. <laughs> I mean, Rass, to be honest, right? I mean, Pool, yeah. pool Three. I mean, it's, it's Rassing. I mean, again, it's again, it's fair, apart from Scarlets who are completely out of it and given up. But it, it, again, it's no, it's fairly tight. I'd forgotten Casey Lau Lala had gone to racing. Yeah, you know, what Rassing a player he what was! What a player! Oh, Such an underrated him. player. I loved him when he was a Cardiff. His partnership with Jamie Roberts. I was so sad that that wasn't allowed to be sort of rekindled last year when when Jamie was out there, but. Yeah, it's a sad one. Right then, so pool three, Josh. Yeah. Um, which uh, they all look pretty terrible. Yeah, let's be honest. I mean, if yeah, I mean, where who's going to really make an impact on the tournament? I mean, Racing are obviously the best team in the group, I think. But I mean, Saints or Glasgow, I don't think they've got anything in. They've got haven't got it in them to really do anything to stop them, though, have they? Saints haven't um, got it in them to to score a try. So, well, it doesn't you know. seem that way, does it? And I mean, the Scarlets, like we said earlier, they're they're barely really sticking yeah. with it. Are they? they they can't be bothered. Pool four's fairly straightforward because Leicester are going through. Uh, yeah, that's eight point lead, isn't it? And they've got a game at home against Treviso to get another five points on top of that to come. So, and then there's the unspeakably mental Pool Five. <laughs> but, but, but wasps had sat on it quite comfortably, but of course there's the game in hand issue with yeah Toulon. So I mean, it's pool of death they were calling it, but it's more like the pool of mainly being a bit shit, except for wasps who are quite good. 
Yeah, the pool um, of the death of normal thinking is basically yes. what it should be called. Well, yeah, I mean, like you say, Wasps are in the driving seat, and even if they lose out in Toulon, they'll probably get through if they can beat Leinster at home. But I mean, Toulon aren't out of it, and that gaming hand, like you say, it's an interesting double header against Bath. Um, you have to imagine they'll beat Wasps at home as well, but it, it could all come down to bonus points, couldn't it? And it could, and it's funny now because there's that funny break where. To be honest, I mean, it's good that we can't really predict a lot of them. Yeah. As we go into the break, it keeps you awake until you know, sort of the, the, the you know, denouement of the tournament later on in the group yeah. stages. Because you don't. Last thing you want is too many pools that are dead and buried going into the last few rounds. No, that's of matches, the thing. So. You don't. You don't want to be having load of dead rubbers in the last round of fixtures. So yeah, it's good. It's 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 keeping it interesting, yeah. definitely. But so that's the uh, that's the ERC pools, and it looks like it's going to continue being good. Now then, this is the last. As I mentioned before, this is the last podcast of. 2050. See, I say that like, I've been doing this for years. I only started doing it in November. <laughs> but, yes, I, but that's not going to stop me from behaving like this I is mean, Sports it, Personality of the Year and I'm going to review the year. Exactly. And it might it might have only been a couple of podcasts sold, but it feels like we've been doing it a very long time. It does. That's because we've had to do about four of them three times because of our, <laughs> of, our, yes. of our complete lack of experience, uselessness and our internet connections. Yes. But... Um, so let's have a look at the highlights of 2015 so far. I did ask a few people on. Let's. I put this out there on on, on Twitter. So let's just. I'll, I'll say what some of the guys yeah, on Twitter said, and we can see some of. Throw it to the gallery. Have picked up. I said highlights. Rugby Blues hashtag Rugby Blues simply tweeted a photo of Gareth Davis falling over the line <laughs> against England. Do, do you know what? That's that's been my um, desktop screensaver on my work computer for well since the Monday morning after that. I would like for me. That that is definitely my my highlight of 2015. Like, I, I I know English fans like to call Wales fans quite petty for loving beating the English so much, and it and it, and it definitely shouldn't be the be all and end all. But we fucking love it so much, and I don't think and a victory think, over England has ever uh, been quite be fair, so sweet. A fair to Wales as well. It was England's own World Cup. Wales went into the tournament with a exactly. pit pony on the bench because there were so yeah. few players left. It was. And to be honest, if we'd beaten if 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 we'd beaten you in that way, I would never stop banging on about it. <laughs> well, exactly. And you know, so it's only fair that that's the situation. Yeah, I mean, for me, I was there, and like, it is one of those moments that I would actually be able to say I was there because we there. We I, I didn't know you'd gone. I I, I I managed to get a, a ticket at the last minute, and yeah, it was a. I've never experienced a game like it. The atmosphere Mankers. was electric. I've, I've, and I've never seen a crowd turn so quickly. Like, I was surrounded, literally. Oh. No, there wasn't another Welsh fan within about four or five hundred people of me. And, like, the, they were just all being extremely graceless winners around me at one <laughs> point where it was all ticking over quite nicely. And then just, like, the slow slide into, like, the disbelief and the horror when Davis went over and then the building disgust and despair as the game slipped away. It was... I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. It was absolutely delicious. I loved it. And I do think... I mean, um, leaving aside the bit of Lloyd Williams coming off the bench and doing that run and executing that kick with his left foot, <laughs> that's so one of my moments because it was just ridiculous. Yeah, it, it was, was silly. It was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And, so that, and so that game, was... Rugby yeah. Glue said that, and Emmanuel Dubarry said that, and Star Kingdom also said that on Twitter. <laughs> it was quite a popular one coming through I, on Twitter. I can imagine why, yeah. On Twitter. I, and speaking of the he was there moment, Ben Brace also said Japan versus South Africa because he was there. Yeah, and and, and fair play to him for being there. Cause was he actually there, though? Were you there, there like Ben? That? 
I think this is one of those ones where you know, like yeah. an old pop group that played a tiny Every, gig somewhere and everybody yeah. went. Yeah, no, but I'm sure he was. I'm only winding you up. Man. I hope you were there, man, for your sake. But yeah, I mean, probably the happiest moment of the World Cup for me, bar England v Wales, was was that. Like it was a fantastic, fantastic moment for rugby and I, sport. I in had general. people. I had people around for dinner that night who were not massive, like classic story, not massive rugby fans, yeah. sat watching, wandered in with 20 minutes ago, oh, what's this game? And I yeah. was like, shut up, I'm watching, this is incredible sort of thing. And they all, of <laughs> course, sat down there transfixed and all went completely apeshit when they scored that yeah. try at the end. It was, you know, forget rugby I, union, it was yeah. one of the best I was in my, score, I was in my living room absolutely losing my mind when they went over, <laughs> it was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Speak, speaking of Wales versus England, I, I'm going to throw this one in. Actually, Wales beating uh, Wales losing to England in the Six Nations was one of my highlights of the year. England were very very good that day. Like that's the, but then look... again the downlight of the year is what happened after that. But yeah that was the, yeah. the day when we thought oh look it's finally working look. Yes. <laughs> and and it was like oh bloody hell they're going to have a good crack at winning their own world cup aren't they? And yeah, yeah I I think it sort of got lost in the mire of everything but like the Six Nations as a whole was pretty entertaining, and and mm. the Super Saturday climax was was utterly ridiculous but very fun. Yeah, it was, and for yeah, and actually some mental rugby for once, which the Six Nations isn't that known. Yes, for. well, it was like Wales had that fifty point second half, and if it wasn't for that, it could have been a very nervy day where people are like chipping away with with like penalties here or there. But instead, it just made everybody throw the shackles off, it did. and it was just this. Glorious crescendo of ridiculous, but and Wales very had that rugby. inverted Six Nations where they were terrible and got. got That's better. every Six Nations. And of, course, <laughs> and of course, the England versus Wales game had had and why would a lot of people mention this on Twitter? But what I remember was James Haskell running Haskell into the running post. Into post. Oh, God, so good. <laughs> the pirouette and smash into the post, and he didn't. He's so thick. He didn't even have the sense just to jump at the bottom of the post. He'd have scored. No, no. I mean, it was almost. It wasn't quite as good as that Toby Flood's running. It's absolutely post brilliant thing that you shared on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. But I mean, it, it nearly was. Nothing's as good as that, though. No. Apart from apart from this, apart from the Sunwolves shirts, nothing is as good as no. Toby Flood on the posts. <laughs> um, somebody did Louise Cockhill. Sorry, that's my Louise Coyle said that uh, Glasgow winning the Pro Twelve was a highlight of the year. Yeah. I think we. I said last week. I keep forgetting that happened. But it was it's a glorious day for their fans and a glorious day for that club because it's not been an easy time. And, and also, they did it in in playing utterly fantastic attacking rugby as well. Yeah, which is a, that's what you forget up in Scotland, which you know. Yes, it's, it's it feels like a weird fever dream we all had. But yeah. No, apparently it did happen. And a, and a big shout out to the legendary bearded guitar shredding atheist on uh, on Twitter that is Seismic Shed. Who said his highlight of the year was Mead and Vale RFC seventy five Cresswell nil in the Midlands South, was it Midlands five East North Division because they were a big local rivals that he hammered, and that's what that's, that's what rugby's that is about. A, that is a tuning by anyone's measure at any level, and that's what rugby's all about. We can all exactly. talk about international rugby all the way through, but hammering your local rival seventy five oh, nil yeah. in a local division can keep you happy for at least you know two hours. Yeah. Uh, looking forward into so that that was the kind of highlights of 2015 there's probably quite yeah. a lot more out there and it's been a, good, a really good year for rugby I think actually it has I think I mean it's a fantastic World Cup the Six Nations was very good um, a bit of a meh year for the Premiership maybe but you it's know, every year though wasn't it 
Yeah. It'll be a May year this year because it'll just be like having an attack walkers trample all over you and the Saracens <laughs> kill everything in their well, path. Yeah. But yeah, well, on the whole, it was a cracking year. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. Looking forward, Adam Reese on Twitter said that he's looking forward. Adam Reese is Welsh. And he's looking yes, forward he to Hartley as the England captain. <laughs> That's still not been announced, I've, by the way. I must keep no. stressing that this has not been made official at all. And given but that Jamie does, George can score tries from, you know, the 13 channel. Exactly. Um, I, I'm also looking forward to that. You might hear the, the giggle of glee from wherever you are in the world when that is officially announced. Which yeah, I'm assuming it must be, the way that they're trailing it so much. There's got to be some truth to it. It's, it's going to happen, isn't it? And wow, that's a, that's a roll the dice moment. But yeah, we'll see. We shall see. Um, <coughs> oh, and also, staying in England, I think a lot of people are saying um, lots of coherent stuff from England. They'd like to see England move forward and be better. Maybe you don't. No, I'd long for you to continue to play retrograde, <laughs> terrible rugby. Um, yeah, I mean, it's got to happen at some point, doesn't it? Like, you would hope. You, it just has to. <laughs> Eventually, somebody has to get it right. Or either that or it's the start of yet another four-year cycle of expectation, misery, frustration, and everybody pointing and laughing. I mean, it's probably going to be that as well, but maybe there'll be some <laughs> progress in there as well. Just you know what? I could maybe live with that if I, if I had an idea what England were doing. Mm. That's the saddest thing. You come to the end of a four-year cycle and go, I still don't know what they were trying to do. Please, <laughs> let's just know what they're trying to do. Because, yes. well, it, never mind four-year cycle. It's been every four years since 2003. Since I still don't know what they're trying to do. Yeah. So uh, I'm looking forward to the Sun Wolves and I'm Argentina in the, in, in the Super I was, I, My slightly 16. left field hope in Super Rugby is that the Argent the Los Jaguares, which is such a good name by the way, yes. um, I, I hope that they win the whole damn thing because you look at that squad and you look at, it's basically the Argentinian national team um, coached by the assistant coach of the Argentinian mm. national team and if you they take the t- rugby that they were playing at the World Cup into Super Rugby, given that they're already quite familiar with themselves and you know as the, mm. the patterns and all that stuff, they could really cause a, a serious stir. Especially when you figure in the fact that they're going to have. I mean, they're going to have to play a lot of games on the road because they'll be playing in the South African Conference, and that's problematic. But yeah, I, I think I've got a funny feeling that even if they don't win the whole thing, they might be a bit of a surprise package, and I'd like to see that. Indeed. And yeah, watch the space for Australia in the next year or two. Yeah. Australia, Argentina, sorry. Watch the space for Argentina as you just followed on, because they are going to have mm. a better playing base now, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. But I get but all... slip of the tongue there, but Australia the next year or two, where will Czech... Yeah. Czech... The good thing for Checker this year was it was a shit or bus year for him. It was just like, well, not a shit or bus, but who gives a shit? It didn't matter. He, well, yeah, knew, he knew he was, was keeping his job. He knew he could do what he wanted. But he is going to have to, you know, he can't keep calling Gitto back from France. He is going to have to no. do something else. So There were exceptional circumstances for the World Cup, but the time is, is now for them to develop something more substantial, I think, going forward. So there you go then. So that was some highlights of this year and looking forward to, to next year. We'll obviously be mm. all building up for the Six Nations when we come back after Christmas. There won't be a, a, a there won't be a pod over the Christmas period. It's just too much like hard work. Um, and most of you will be drunk and I don't want to get abused. Yes. So um, <laughs> so that will be that. We're going to finish as we try to do each week with a selection a track from our never-ending <laughs> um, chain of rugby-related songs. I'd be glad to know I've moved away from the 90s uh, this, this week. Um, how are you feeling about um, sort of what you might call Scottish prog punk? 
Uh, if, if that Scottish prog punk is in fact Biffy Clyro, then Correct. yes, blood, bloody love him. Um, yeah, yeah. Simon Neil can make an incredible racket with the stock Fender Stratocaster, and yeah, I'm a massive fan. Yeah. So with all this talk about Rob Shaw going and uh, Hartley possibly taking over, I'm going to go this week for from their only Revolutions album. This is the Captain. I just, I just thought, given what day it is. We really should have done driving home for Christmas here, shouldn't we? Oh, God, no, we shouldn't. <laughs> the only day they're driving home for Christmas is, is, is the day of the rapture, basically. <laughs> Bloody Chris Rear, how did he get away with it for so long? Don't get how good he is at slide guitar. He's a very, very depressed man, let's be honest. Anyway, anyway. Merry Christmas, everybody out there. And Indeed, Merry Christmas. Year. We'll see you in 2016 and we'll finish with The Captain by Bithy Clyro. Goodbye. Indeed. Take care.
As more sectors across Ireland are reopening, the COVID-19 pandemic unemployment payment is changing. If you're currently receiving this payment, the amount you receive will change from the 16th of November. To find out more about how these changes will affect you, visit gov.ie forward slash PUP changes. A Government of Ireland initiative brought to you by the Department of Social Protection. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.